um, Pastor Andy, senior leader of Family Church uh, across the south here, um, he, he shared the vision or the journey in which we're on as a congregation. And that journey really is discovering not only um, the awareness of the word chronos, which is our time, and I'm looking at the clock here and the clock there and thinking time is ticking. Um, if you would have seen my email this week, we have 86,400 seconds in our day, in every day of our life, 86,400 seconds. 20-odd thousand of those, you're asleep. 20-odd thousand of those, you're at work. What do you do with the 20-odd, 27, 28,000 seconds that you have for the rest of your day? Because we all have the same equal amount of time. You know, you can't say, well, I, I've got more time than this person. I got, I got, I'm retired. I've got more time on my hands. Anyone that's retired in the room, you'll say, get out of here. When you retire, you fit more into your life than you would have done when you were at work. Looking at those that are retired, carefully selecting those that I think may be retired. Anyway, um, and then there's the God moments of our life, which are the Kairos moments. Those moments which are God moments, God interactions, God interventions. Those moments which you have to stand back and say, it must have been God. And, and I'm sure as we, if we had conversations with you this morning, you'll be able to turn around to me and say, I know that that was a Kairos moment. That moment that I gave my life to Jesus. That moment I walked into a church or that friend spoke to me and I encountered the forgiveness of God. I encountered his love in my life. I, I felt clean. I felt, I felt the weight lifted. However that was expressed in your journey, that was a Kairos, a God intervening moment in the journey of your life. There may be moments when, like I say, when I encountered Jane for the very first time, I believe it was a Kairos moment. It wasn't just I was wandered into church, having been to the pub and the nightclub the night before, walked in a little bit, perhaps worse for wear, and I saw Jane. I, it was a Kairos moment. It was a God moment. I looked at her. I gave her a nod. I winked. I didn't say a word, but I walked out the building saying, I will marry her. <laughs> and 34 years later we are still married and still happy and still going strong that was a god moment god at that moment turned my life around we, we sing songs he turned my life around he did he turned my life around from being hard cold-hearted and hating everyone to being a pastor who has to love everyone, even when they don't like me. I have to like them. I have to turn the other cheek. It's like, it's not fair. I'm not allowed to dislike. But God turned my life around. It was a God moment. How many of us in this room can say I have had a God moment? Give me a wave if you say, I know I've had a God moment. A God moment where things changed. See, this, this is what's so exciting. We, we, we not only recognize that we've all had them to some degree, but if I ask the same question, when was the last time you had a Kairos moment? Now, that's, an that's, an, that's more of an interesting question rather than have you had one. 
when was the last time you believed you had one? Anyway, I've got way ahead of myself here. It's about knowing the time. Knowing the time. The whole thought of this morning uh, is, do we know the time that we're in? Do you know the time that you're in? You are in. That's a better way of putting it. You're in. (laughs) That does not sound good. (sighs) Now, don't bring the worst out of me this morning, all right? Do we know the time we or you are in, all right? Romans chapter 13. Let's get straight into the Bible, okay? Let's get to the Bible. Romans 13, verse 11. I was doing well until I started looking at my notes. Romans 13, 11 says this. And do this. This is, this is Paul speaking to the church at Rome. And he has sent letters to them. He's saying, look, th- there's some important things. The book of Romans is the book, if you like, the book of the Bible. If you have one book that you could take from the Bible and live off, and you only have one book that you could choose from, go for the book of Romans. It's theologically um, all of who, of who we are. It will save you. It will develop you. It will mature you. It will reveal the heart of God for you. It's just an incredible book. And Paul is saying in, ver- in chapter 13, he says, and do this. It's not a suggestion. He's saying, look, come on, Marius, now do this. It's an impartation. It's, all, it's not a command, but it's, it's, it's come on, do this. Be aware of this moment in your life. He says, and do this knowing the time, that it is now high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now, Paul is writing to that to the church at Rome 2,000 years ago. Agreed? And he's saying, he was saying to the church then, For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The return of Jesus is nearer than when we first believed. Talking to the church in Rome. I'm talking to you 2,000 years later. His return is closer than when they first believed. It is close. The time and the age in which we live reveals how close. But do we know the time in which we're living? Do we really? Or are we just going through the motions of life? Are we just allowing life to happen? Are we being duped or deceived or lured into a false sense of security where we think, well, it's going to be years before Jesus comes home. Uh, The world isn't as bad as as some people make out. Oh, it is. (laughs) Oh, it is. This world is so corrupt. This world's governments are so corrupt. That means we need to pray for them more than perhaps we've ever had to pray for our governments in times past because the government is corrupt. And you see one scandal after another scandal. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's because of the conservatives. You put the labor in and there would have been more scandals after more scandals. It's because the world we live in is corrupt. 
the systems of our world are corrupt. The God of this age, who's that? The devil. The God of this age is corrupt. He is a liar and has been from the beginning. This world is a mess. Take out the salt and the light, which is the believer, and this world would fall down the pan because it's a mess. We are salt and light. You think, how much are we holding back darkness? We are holding back the darkness through our existence on this earth. When the Christians leave this planet, this world will be absolutely awful place to be. And you don't want to be here. I promise you that. You will not want to be on this earth when the salt and the light of this world leaves. Do we really know the time in which we're in? Be honest. I have to be honest. I think the church in the 21st century is dull. It's immature. It's, there's some, so much inactivity and we are apathetic. Look at the church in the New Testament. They had a zeal for God's house. They had a desire to reach others. Their lives were consumed with God. It was Christ in me. For me to live is Christ and to die is great gain. But the church has become so watered down, so insipid, tasteless in many ways. But when the, church encounter, when the world encounters the church, they still taste a little saltiness. But I tell you what, I want, I want, there, I want there to be known in this generation, in this community, in, in the borough of gospel and the surrounding areas, that there is a church and other churches in this town who love God passionately and aren't prepared to see them go to a lost eternity. We need to be a people who are hungry to make a difference. Why? Because we need to know the day and the age in which we're in. Ephesians chapter 5 says this. Ephesians 5 verse 15. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly or carefully, not as fools but as wise, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. Paul, see this is how relevant the Bible is. The days were evil back in the day when Paul wrote this letter 2,000 years ago. Guess what? Nothing much has changed. There's not a lot. The thing that's changed is the church had a zeal. Whereas many in the church today couldn't care less. I'm not talking about you because you're here. (laughs) let me qualify that I'm not having a go at you you're here you have a heart for the house but have we have have we got a heart for the lost have we got a heart for our neighbor our our work colleague have we got a heart because because eternity is a reality eternity happened the moment you started to breathe for you but eternity has been happening from the day that God said, let there be, and we existed in eternity. In time, we lived in the chronos of time. 
But God lives outside of time and has existed before and will exist when time here on this earth comes to an end. And it will come to an end. The Bible is very clear how this earth is going to finish. It's going to be folded up and consumed in fire. You can determine whether that's an atomic war or the sun getting too close to the earth. However you want to, or we just heat it up and heat it up and heat it up, which is happening. But it will fold up and and be gone. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth. It's very clear what the Bible teaches. And we need to be regarding the time that we're in, the Kairos moment, making the most of our moments. We were walking to, where were we going? We were going to Little. We decided to walk. Yes, it's a beautiful day. So we were walking. And we were walking hand in hand, like we always do. 34 years of marriage, we're still young, happy moon couple. Anyway, we're walking along this. I wasn't even aware of this lady walking towards me. And all of a sudden, I get my arm wrenched back as Jane decides that she wants to stand and talk with this lady about the Lord. It's seizing the moment. We didn't know the lady. We will perhaps never meet the lady again. But there was a Kairos moment that that lady heard the gospel. I love that about my wife. Not that she wrenches my arm when we're walking along, but she has a heart to touch, to reach, to speak, to communicate, because she knows what Jesus has done for her. And therefore, she wants others to know and be impacted by that same message. Are we redeeming the time? Are we redeeming the moments that we've wasted, that we've lost? Because time, like I say, 86,400 seconds, we can invest those times, those moments of our life. We can waste them. We can, we can do whatever we want because time is ours. But there are times in our life where we need to say, I need to redeem that time. I need to bring back relevance to my life. I need to bring back importance to certain things in my life. Is there a desire in us to be good stewards of our time? Because the Bible says, teach me to number my days, that I may apply my heart to wisdom, to wise living. We need to apply our heart. How can I live for you? We've only, got, we've only got, what, 80, 90 years here on the earth to do our best for God. It's a, it's a, it's a minutest bit of time compared to eternity. And we think we, we, we become so soulish-minded, so caught up with our everyday living, that we forget in the light of eternity what this life really is all about. It's about making time to find him to find Jesus in our life and make a decision to follow him. And then it's about living our life, the rest of our life, in following his ways. That's what Jesus said when he encountered the disciples. Come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they laid down everything and followed him. Are we prepared to lay down our life and say, I'm going to follow him with everything that's within me, redeeming the time? There are some moments in life that are more important than others. 
You know, you must, you, you must have encountered that. You know, I've got six children, five boys, one girl. There are certain points in their life that were more important than others. Their birth was an incredible moment. Um, and we dealt with every variation of birth that you can imagine, I think, in each six. But believing God for their journey, their life, their future. Seeing God's hand upon their life and changing their direction. Seeing the young ones in the church grow up, Kerwin being one of those. I remember when he was so small, and now I look at him as a man in the house of God. And it fills me with great joy. Uh, Kerwin is one of those that's uh, one of the Ford students, and, and I've seen you four times this week during the week. But what I see is a young man growing in the things of God, desiring a heart for God to live out his days. Not following his dad, but following his father in heaven. That to me is so precious. That, you know, when I look at Hudson here at the front, little, little chap, what is his life going to look like as he grows in this world? What is his life going to be? What are we going to impart into his journey? As he grows older. And, that, and your children. That's why when we do dedication services, it's so important that we speak over our children as they grow. Because a dedication is a kairos moment. You say, I, as a parent, want to bring up my child in a godly way. But I also look to God to bring up my child in an awesome way. And we allow God to move upon their life. You know, it's so important that we realize Kairos moments in the journey of our world. And not only the ones that suddenly come about in our world, but you and I can make Kairos moments. They are a God intervention. But you know what? God is always with you. So your intervention with this lady on the way to Little, you may have thought that's just the right thing to do, but it could have been a God thing, a God moment. Could have walked past her. Never seen her again, never encountered her. But God, perhaps she needed God at that moment. Something spoken into her life. You've had other encounters where, where they've turned around and said, I needed that at this particular moment. We never know what the words of our mouth may do for somebody else. Are we redeeming the time? We need to be proactive, not not just waiting. God, if you want to intervene, you will do it in your time. If you want to say something to that person, you'll do it in your time. Maybe God's waiting on your time for you to get up and do it. And it'll be proactive. Kairos moments. See, we all believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's with us. He doesn't suddenly come upon us. He's always with us. The Holy Spirit is there in our life. He's journeying with us. Therefore, God moments, the God spirit is living in us to produce God moments in and through our life. We all have God moments, but we may not be conscious of them. You know, those God moments in our life, we may, we may dismiss them as just being a coincidence but you know how many of us have walked through life and all of a sudden you say, oh, that is a coincidence. And yet God would say it was a Kairos moment. 
Or, oh, that was a light bulb moment. But God is saying, I just revealed something to you. Didn't you see? It was me that revealed that. And we can be so, we can, we can, we can dismiss the working of God. We can dismiss what God is saying because we just think it may be a coincidence or a chance encounter. But God's not into chance encounters. He does things on purpose. In the book of Ruth, you see, you see Naomi and Ruth and, and, and Boaz, this whole combination of individuals and situations. And Naomi and Ruth were struggling. And um, at the time, what the, the, the people in the fields, they would drop grain so that those who were poor could go into the fields and pick up the poor grain, the leftovers. And what I love about this is as you read the story of Ruth, she went into the field to glean. But Boaz, who is a type of Christ, our kinsman redeemer, had already said to his servants, I want you to leave handfuls on purpose for Ruth to find. How many times have we come across a handful on purpose that God has placed for us to find? That in our journey, we think we're just, oh, I happened upon it, or I happened to see it, or I happened to go in the right place at the right time. But God has laid out handfuls on purpose that as we walk in his ways, we will come across, not stumble across, but come across because he's laid up for us treasures here on earth. I think it's just a beautiful picture of our kinsman redeemer, but Jesus who lays up things in our life, who's already favored our journey. Goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. That word follow actually means to pursue as if to overtake. His goodness and his mercy, he's laid up for you. He's positioned in your life so that you would encounter. I think that's just beautiful. We serve a good God, don't we? He is so, so good. Nothing in God is chance because God is a God of purpose. He is a God of purpose. If you have found yourself in this building today, you are not here by chance. You may be here because someone invited you, but you're not here because they invited you by chance today. You are here on purpose because God wants to say something to your life. That's how God works. You could have come last week. You could have come next week. You could have come in a year's time. But for some reason, you are here today. Coincidence, chance, God would say, Kairos. You're meant to be here today. And that is the God in whom we serve. I want to contrast two scriptures because I want us to be so aware of knowing the time. Knowing the time that we're in. There's two scriptures that I want us to look at. One in the new, one in the old. And the one in the new is in, found in Luke chapter 12. And this is Jesus speaking. And he said to them, um, or then, then he said, sorry, then he also said to the multitude, 
Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be a lot of hot weather, and there is. Hypocrites, (laughs) you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? Or the urgency of this present moment. It's interesting, isn't it? He's saying, look, you can, you know, red red sky in the morning, red sky at night, shepherd's delight, and all the rest of it. We can discern, but are we aware of the time that we're in? It's a good question. Let me follow on to the one in the old, 1 Chronicles chapter 12. And it's listing the armies of Israel is listing those in the tribes and those who, who, who are the battle-ready, battle-hardened individuals. And, and the whole chapter basically is just going through this list of, of armored, um, uh, armored soldiers and this and the other. So we're going to pick up verse 30. Of the sons of Ephraim, 20,800 mighty men of valor, famous men throughout their father's house. Of the half-tribe of Manasseh, 18,000 who were designated by name to come and make David king. Soldiers who were strong in battle. Verse 32, of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren at their command. Verse 33, of Zebulun, there were 50,000 who went to battle, expert in war, with all weapons of war, stout-hearted men who could keep ranks. I could list you line after line after line of all these battle-hardened individuals. But stuck there in the middle of this passage is this of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times, knowing what Israel ought to do. So you've got all these rough, tough, mean, nasty individuals who were battle-hardened, who had faced many in battle before, and then you've got the sons of Issachar who knew the times. If you like, they were the strategists. They were the pathfinders. They were the ones who knew what to do and what the enemy was already doing. They knew the times in which they were in. Do you know what? I don't want to be being able to tell what the weather is doing. I want to know what the Spirit of God do, is doing. I want to know what the enemy is doing and planning. I want to know the strategy and how to defeat him over my life, over our community, over your family. I want, I want to have the insight, the spiritual awareness, like the sons of Issachar, that knew the time in which they were in, and knew what to do. How about you? We need to know the time that we're in. The kairos. What is God doing today? See, what God is doing today isn't what he did 50 years ago, because what he did 50 years ago was great and what was needed then. 
What God is wanting to do in our next week or our next month or our next five years is unique to this time. We do know one thing, that in the last days he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. The sons and the daughters will prophesy. The old men will dream dreams. And there will be a move of God upon the face of the earth like we've never seen before. And then there will be a falling away. We know that is going to happen. Are you aware of your journey and where you fit in the journey moving forward in life? We need to. And it's so important that we are aware of the time in which we're in. But these guys had an awareness. They knew the time. They knew the season. They weren't battle-hardened, battle-ready brutes. They were strategists. They were thinkers. That's why there were only 200 of them. That shows me one thing. There are less who know the time they're in than those who are ready for battle. There are less people aware of what's going on than what the society around them is is happening. We need to be people who know the time, who have a who have a connect, we are connected to God. We're allowing God to speak into our hearts. Are we disturbed by what we hear on the news or see on our te- televisions? Are we disturbed or do we just accept society is like that today? I, I, I just, I look, you can, you, you, I, there's one part of me, you can say, oh, what a doom and gloom service. no. Wake up. Remember the first scripture? It's time to awake from our sleep. It's time to wake up, church. Don't. I wasn't going to use this, but I am. There's, there's, I, I, I looked up the, the word, but it was that long and unpronounceable in my opinion. But it's called a tetsy fly. Yes. What happened? Who? What happens is the tsetse fly in Africa, specifically in, in, in the um, mid part of Africa, if the tsetse fly bites the back of your neck or bites you, you become, you become docile, drowsy, to the point that if you do not get medical treatment, it will begin to cause you just to lay down and give up and become so unable to have any strength moving forward to go and get the help that you need. Those that are in Africa know what I'm talking about, yes? Yes. <laughs> so this tetsy fly, minute in what it is, can have devastating effects upon the human body. Beelzebub is a name for the devil. That name means Lord of the Flies. How many of us in life are being bitten by stuff that's numbing us to what's going on around us? We need to awake from our sleep. That's where this is connected. We need to wake from our sleep because if the tetsy fly has its way, we will die because of it. We cannot allow 
Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, to have his way in our life. It's time to awake from our slumber. Anyway, Mark says this in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. There is a window of opportunity left on this earth for people to be pointed to Jesus and for them to accept what he did on the cross for them. That he did it if you were the only person that lived on the earth that had made a mistake, Jesus would have died for you. The good thing is, the Bible says, for God so loved us all that he died for us all. He died on a cross to take the sin of the world upon his shoulders because you and I could never have done it. But the Bible says here, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Why? Because time is limited. He is coming back again. And, and the further and the quicker we as a society slip down, the sooner and the quicker we know he's coming back. So there is a time window for us to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. There is a time window for our communities. There's a time window for our friends to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. There's a thing called a launch window. And a launch window is where NASA is waiting for a launch window moment where they can release a rocket or a satellite into space. There is a launch window. Sometimes a launch window will last just a couple of days. Other times it will last a few weeks. We are in a launch window where the gospel of Jesus Christ needs to be preached and then that launch window will close. Whilst that launch window is open, let's be busy about our father's business. Let's be sharing the love of God with others. God loves people. In fact, you can personalize that right now. Pat, God loves you. Lewis, God loves you. Not because of what you do or because of the decisions that you make. Or because you do certain things that help out. He loves Lewis for who Lewis is. Because God is love. He loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us so much that it caused him to stretch out his arms, be nailed to a cross, and be separated from his Father in heaven. Why? Because he loved you so much. He was prepared to die for you. I'm going to read this passage of scripture one last time, Romans chapter 13. We read it as our opening passage. We're going to read the, the next parts that go with it. And do this, knowing that this is a crucial time. It is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep of spiritual complacency. For our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed in Christ. The night, the present evil age, is almost gone. 
and the day of Christ's return is almost here. So let us fling away the works of darkness and put on the full armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves properly and honorably as in the light of day and not carousing and drunkenness nor sexual promiscuity or irresponsibility, not in quarreling and jealousy, but clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for nor even think about gratifying the flesh in regard to improper desires. But clothe yourself with Christ. One translation puts it another way. Put on Christ. Put on Christ. Now, John, come, 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 come. I haven't asked John for this, so. Stand there for me. I'm going to jump on your back, all right? That's why I didn't ask Sam. <laughs> how, to, how to lose one of your sons that quick. The Bible says, put on Christ. Put on Christ. How often do we put on Christ? And we walk around in life. That's good, lad. <laughs> Let me down. <laughs> Thank you. Put on Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Be mindful that you carry the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't put him off. He lives in you. Therefore, do away with all the things of the flesh, the things that hold you down, the things that, that upset you, that make you feel bad and guilty and all the rest. Put them off and put on Christ. Be Christ conscious. Be Christ Christ inside minded. Know that he is closer than you, than your own heartbeat. And make no provision for the flesh. That is knowing the time. I have put on Christ. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you won't know how to put on Christ. You won't know what it's like to be forgiven. You won't know what it's like to have peace in your heart. You won't know those things until he comes to live on the inside of you. And you may be thinking, how? Oh, I need peace. I need, I need this hole that is in my life filled with something. I've tried drugs. I've tried alcohol. I've tried relationships. I've tried filling it with stuff. But stuff won't fill that hole. Because it's a God-shaped hole. It's God in you. And when he fills you, your life begins to change. So we're going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm just going to ask you to pray it with me, pray alongside. I'm going to ask everyone to pray together because you today may be making this choice. Why do I say that? Because today is a Kairos moment, a God moment. You're not here by accident. You're here because God wanted you to hear this message. So I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to pray it after me, nice and loud. 
And then when I've prayed it, I'm going to ask you if you prayed it sincerely. Because it's, a, it's about a sincere heart. It's not about, do I feel lightning? Do I feel goosebumps? Do I feel something immediately has changed? It's not about that. It's about making a decision to pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart sincerely. Like when I asked Jane to be my wife, would you marry me? I asked sincerely. I didn't know what the answer was going to be. But I'm so thankful I have. So we're going to pray this together. Jesus, I thank you that you died on a cross for the whole world, but also for me. You know my life and you know my journey, my hopes, my dreams, my desires, and my failures. And I thank you that when you died for me, you covered everything and you've given me a brand new life. So today, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. While every head is bowed and every eye closed, this is an important moment in every service that we do. You may be thinking, do we, are we doing this because... I'm here today. No, we do this in the majority of the services that we do. And I'm going to ask you, whilst you've got your eyes closed and your head bowed, I'm going to count to three. And if you prayed that prayer sincerely, wanting Jesus to be in your heart as Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to pop up your hand and put it back down. And we would like to give you a Bible and some information that will help you on your journey. One two, three. If you prayed that prayer this morning, just pop up your hand nice and high. Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. There's three people in the room that I can see that are responding to God. Thank you for doing so. Because God is your Savior. He is the one who came. I'm going to count down from five. If there's anybody else in this room today and you say, yeah, I, I want to know him. I want to make a journey with him. Please feel free to respond. Five, four, three, two, one. Father, I thank you in this room this morning that your hand has been upon each one of us. We have all experienced in this room a God moment, a Kairos moment, as three people have responded to you to walk in your ways and to live for you. Father, we thank you that you are still saving souls upon this earth. And I pray, just as your word says in heaven, there is a celebration going on. Lord, we pray for these three individuals. Lord, that you would touch their lives, that you would fill their lives with your love, that they would know your forgiveness. And Lord, it will be a beginning of an incredible journey with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's just give God a thank you for that. Absolutely brilliant.